That's it. Okay. Um, so the agenda for today is I want to go through Rabbi Sean Koloski's article and see if um, see, I want to I want to talk about the way in which he analyzes things, and I want to talk about some of the specific uh, claims he makes and see and see if we buy into them or not. And then, although I think that a lot of you didn't do this in Chavrusa, but I think it's okay if we do it first uh, ourselves, I want to move on to reading selections from the uh, various Griswold opinions and see how we react to them. And then, and think about just generally about how we, we began this, right, in many ways by, um, by reading the, but by, by, by the reading the Warren case, the Warren Brandeis opinion or article, right. And you can really, you know, it, it's, you can see like even in our program, it can be, you know, just the fact that we started that way is a dominating thing. It means the ideal really exists, right? It would have been a very different program if we had begun just doing details and on the last day we had sprung a new look. It was wild idea somebody had of trying to put it all together into a, uh, into a single notion. So he talks about the, uh, the power one has by order of exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so, and so I want to start the conversation about the way the way in which you have to acknowledge um, external influence, um, and you know, if ideas are ideas are eternal, so it shouldn't matter where the idea comes from. Right, call um, right, also, right. So that on the other hand, when you're in a legal system, um, you can take things, ways of thinking that seem convenient, and not realize how much they have uh, shape. They have shaped one's thinking. So I want to at least open that as we start th thinking about. What we're trying to do? Are we trying to, you know, are we trying to just go through the McCord? Are we trying to, on the assumption there is a thing called privacy, trying to figure out how it plays out Jewishly? Are we trying? To, are we assuming that, that on the whole, we're we we are fans of the society we live in in that regard, or at least the values of the society we live in, and we're trying to make sure that there's a way to live with it halakhically. Uh, maybe it doesn't matter because you have to live in this you have, because halakha has to live in dialogue with the values around it. So it doesn't really matter how we evaluate it. That is the values, the side we have around us. We have to understand it well enough. I don't want at least open that up um, for yourself as you figure out um, to figure out how to write and how mm -hmm. to move privacy into uh, into areas where, uh, although Rabbi Lamb does mention DNA. Uh, in one sentence. Yes, <laughs> in one sentence. I don't know. That probably was not there yet in the sixth that's probably that yeah. that's, that's probably a later additional i don't i don't know um where we have to yeah. you know that's really a that's really a big issue and we you know say we in halacha has um halacha has been rapidly evolving uh and it's and it's attitude towards um towards dna evidence um mm -hmm. that's something we did in the program like 12 years ago or something like that mm -hmm. and um and Halakha has been, you know, I've, I've said this before, but right, you know, that the watershed moment is the is 9-11, uh, when the way to be matri de agunas was DNA evidence. And, hmm. and then you had to, uh, and, then, and then everybody had to figure out their, their way to, to try and, and prevent that from infiltrating back into Mamzerus, whereas previously people had said, hmm. oh, we can't afford DNA evidence because it's going to create Mamzerus. Right. Uh, right? But, the, you know, but also the, um, the arguments against it over time, perhaps grew, um, it grew harder to make some of them with a straight face. Uh, people point out one of my arguments against it also was very dated, and was was um, had an expiration date. It was probably not going to work. Um, certain claims about whether it's actually entirely reliable. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, it, look, it may turn out to be that DNA evidence goes the way of uh, of hair follicle evidence mm -hmm. and other blood spatter evidence, yeah. or all sorts of things that have been accepted in criminal cases for years and have you know been been shown to be pseudoscience. And it's possible mm -hmm. that DNA evidence will be shown to be less definitive 
uh, that at least that we will show that what we used to accept as the evidence was less definitive uh, for all sorts of good reasons, shimmeras, things like yeah. that. But uh, but I'm trying to recall my true crime knowledge as we're having this, <laughs> uh, there are the other interesting yeah yeah there are interesting ways in which you know those those of you who remember the O.J. Simpson trial right so that was a there was a, you know there was a whole huge uh, fight about it then and and we don't you know. You know, all it takes, you know, the same as with snowflakes, right? All it takes is discovering mm -hmm. right, two people, one case where two people are alike, even though they're not identical twins, and you're, and yeah. uh, and life. You know, there are other, there are all sorts of confounding, confounding issues. Yeah, you know, the one of the clever arguments I made was that the only way was that it used to be the only way we could tell whether the evidence of parentage was accurate was by comparing against what we knew already. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't be more accurate than the way we knew it already, because mm -hmm. how would you know who was right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was the evidence appears to show that you are the child of somebody who is not who is not your social parent so that might prove that the, that that you know that that um, your parents engaged in behavior that are not that you would not necessarily endorse or it might be that the evidence is wrong how do you know which one is which one is right epistemologically um right there would be no way there'd be no way of knowing but that was probably you know a clever idea because now we can do all sorts of animal experiments you know over time probably we can demonstrate that uh, that probably we could we could do control, controlled animal experiments that would show that DNA evidence was that was accurate among mm -hmm. great apes at least uh, in that regard. Although it's hard, it's hard, um, it's hard to get, it's hard to get you know, evidence that would really be solid epistemologically. People don't tend to run, um, people don't, don't tend to run example live experiments that way because they're very expensive. Um, so it might be that that that, that, that was. Uh, that was like a clever argument to make to, to show that that the road below Tacharabal would would could, could uh, couldn't be less certain than DNA evidence because the only way you could check DNA evidence was on a social presumption based on road below Tacharabal um, for parentage. Do do. Okay. Okay. Here's 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 Rabbi Shemakovsky. Okay. So the um, he says that he says the opening opening sentence which which has a very clear um, direction, right? Right. So that's that's two statements, right? It's both it's both nezek and forbidden. Right. So the history of Jewish law is a history of rabbinic legislation attempting to prevent ezekria, but apparently not attempting, not succeeding completely. Right. So ezekria is this is is a social negative that. Um, that the that Torah legislation is not sufficient to prevent, mm -hmm. and we, the rabbis, have to con right, have been trying for millennia to right to um, to right to legislate against it, and yet the world keeps expanding past our uh, mm -hmm. our capacity. So that's number one, right? He claims it's a hezek v'isur, right? So we saw that whether it's a hezek in the actionable sense is a question is a question. And what the isur is is a question. Um, right, the, the isur may not apply to every to every case, or we'll have to, you know, the, the evidence has gone through more precisely than we have. But you've read the articles. Okay, I don't know why hotzas shemra is dafka me'alakol, um, but okay. Torah spends more time on it. Uh, in the one specific case, 
And is there, you know, I don't know, there doesn't have a Shemra outside the specific case of the accusation, right, the accusation against the woman's virginity. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I know there are lots of, lots of, you know, good stories what could give us why that's unique. Mm. Um, okay. Ach, but nobody ever made explicit the question of whether you're allowed to eavesdrop. When you just want to know and not um, and without intent to, to without intent to tell it to others. Now your intent can always be you know, shifted. Uh, it's interesting to me that nobody has quoted uh, Mordechai and Pixan Vaterish. Mm. Uh, right, which would seem to be a classic instance mm. of overhearing, uh, which then turns into uh, telling somebody else, which then gets them killed, do you? Know? Uh, I mean, but also, we're for it. Well, they were, they were plotting an assassination. Well, did he know when he listened to them plotting an assassination? Did he have good reasons to suspect, or he just happened to overhear it? No, assume he had good reasons. Okay. I think, I think you're probably well, I think, I think there's the idea of like he's listening in general because he's worry about Esther and protecting her and who happens to So maybe good reason for that. Maybe, maybe, maybe public figures are entitled to hire private detectives to go right to, to guard them because they are in constant fear of assassination. That would be a big finish. Yeah. Getting to the horizontal versus vertical. Right. Can the go right? You know, maybe the maybe the government has the right to well, have- also based off of like, you know, what he talks about in, in the article about different levels of certainty as to the possibility of a threat that you could say maybe like you know if you're the president there's a pretty high like chance at any given moment that there's somebody plotting something against you whereas if you're just like a random individual it is a much lower chance i think that's true but one of the things we have to address which i think again halakha is not very good at is right is um you have to bound you have to bound the probabilities let's say there are 100 people and there's a 1% chance that each of them is plotting against me. Mm-hmm. But there is, uh, let's just, assuming that there's no overlap, right? So I'm, we're engaging in funny numbers now, right? But I suppose I have 100 people, each of them as an independent 1% chance of plotting, <laughs> right, of plotting against me, and no more than one of them could be plotting against me at the same time, right? Now I have 100% probability that, right, that one of them is, that one of them is plotting against me. Mm-hmm. Um, so can I listen to all 100? I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. Now extend that to the world. Just probably know, right the now. probability on that is completely wrong. You don't have a hundred percent chance, even in the case you outlined. <laughs> Good, thank you. You never, you never get to hundred percent, right? I don't, you don't, there's no way ever to get to. 100%. There are ways to get to hundred percent, but that is not such a case. Fine. Yeah. Imagine. One of them is definitely plotting against you, and they each have one percent chance. That will get you there. No, you're the thing that does it, but we're not going to argue the probability now. I'll, no, I'll take the it. The also said would work. Yeah, no, you know someone is probably against you, just don't know who it is. No, you just don't know each other. No, the probability means that. I know the one. Okay, I have I have external I have external data data input that one of the right that somebody is plotting against me. Okay, right, and I just don't know which of the hundred people it is. Fine. You're playing clue, right? Yeah, right. So I bound the problem that way. Okay, we're gonna end up in 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 Monty Python issues, and I'm not gonna I don't want to go there. Uh, whatever. Not my what a Monty Hall problem. Sorry, we're gonna do Monty Hall problem issues. Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> one Monty. Um, I need to put that too. It's mathematical because Python is named after Monty Python. Um, okay, so um, so right. So now, right. So imagine, imagine. Let's take Supermodel Skate. Can I now listen to all hundred of them, even though 
if there, any individual person came before me and I said, I can listen to him and say, well, there's only 100 chances you can listen to him. Right. So if I, if I, if I, if I define the problem by the individual, I can't, if I define the problem by the set, I can't. Well, classically, we decide whether they're Kabur or not. And that suddenly makes a huge difference. Sure. Right. So, right. So obviously, right. You know, the, 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 the move you go to in halacha is to say that halacha actually distinguishes between cases where you bound the problem or not, which is by Kabur, which is the case of Kabur versus called the Parish Meruba Parish. Um, whether you can extend uh, um, Kavua that way or not, I don't. I have no idea. Do you, do you guys know what Kavua versus called Ruba? Called the yes, Ruba? though I've never properly understood what it actually means. Okay, so I'll, let's, let's, I'll try a brief thing, and then you can correct my math on that too. Uh, <laughs> I, I know there's one with like pieces of meat that you find. It's not mathematically correct. Like it's it's a principle. It's not a mathematically sound principle. <laughs> Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna try to set, set it up. Fundament, right? Because I think it plays out a little. Right? The question is whether, uh, whether I, I think the question is whether the question is whether you treat all probabilities as equal, or you don't, right? And we, right, and there's certain bound cases where we treat all probabilities as equal, and some some cases where we don't. Right, so why you would treat all probabilities as equal is that you know is it a separate epistemological question, right? You know, uh, right? What you know as to how you get a notion, right? All possibilities in a Kabula situation, you treat all possibilities as equally likely. Um, and in a in a cold apart situation, we right we assume that the odds the the odds uh, as they would be calculated by statisticians are correct. That's basically the that's basically no. The, even the cold apart situation, we don't. Then we assume the move thing definitely happens. It's not the same as doing odds correctly. We never do balance it. Uh, okay, we have the problem. Whatever we do, all of them, right? Okay, right. Sorry, that was oversimplification. Thank you. Uh, okay, we're gonna bracket it because I think I, I think that it's not. Uh, except, like I'm a, I have my Yitzhara. The point of the point of the fun of Kavua is that probably there's no such thing as a suffix unless it's artificial. Because if you treat a suffix as exactly 50-50, there are no really 50-50 situations in life. So Kavua is what enables the category or the category suffix to exist. Um, I think okay, that's a whole interesting epistemological question, right? Maybe maybe the Chazalaj using this undermine your epistemological faith in probability. <laughs> uh, okay, so but for our purposes, the question um, and this really first came up to me um, formative experience in Ravarin Solovitchik's year when uh, when we were discussing the question of segregation in a series. Hmm. So right, if I do an action, if I do an action that I do it once has uh, you know has has a very very finite odds of 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 yielding of yielding results. But if I do the same action a thousand times, the odds of the results happening ten towards right ten ten towards hundred ten towards hundred percent limit goes limit goes hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that absegration halakhically or not? Uh, or is Ravana Salvatic used to try to use this to explain uh, Gemara in Zvachim? I think. Talking about whether you use small small drops or large drops to put out a flame, and one way is mm -hmm. secretion, one way is not secretion. Even though each time you pour the water, right, you dro you, each drop has no um, has no likelihood. It's also a question that comes up with Masa about combing hair on Shabbos. Mm -hmm. All right, if you right, put, a, put your comb through hair once, it's certainly not inevitable that you're going to pull out hair. But comb your hair entirely, then it's probably inevitable. And so do you, do you treat that as a do you, do, you, do you relate to the odds coming out of the series? Do you relate to the odds coming out of the individual action? Um, okay, so what do you think here? Right? Is there a give it? Would there be a formula for trying to figure out whether um, whether for the purposes 
of figuring out whether I'm allowed to engage in a Sas Shemra, um, do we say, right, do we, do we say that you can simply, we say, look, you cannot listen to anybody whom you have a less than, who has a less than 51% chance, or whatever your threshold is. You can't listen to anybody, whatever, whether your threshold is Mir Hamatsoy or Ru, uh, or Chashash. Right? Whatever, whatever your threshold of probability is for, for, for overhearing somebody, do we go by the individual person or do we go by the overall, the overall surveillance? I think you, you might go by internal motivation. You might say that if your real motivation is because you genuinely are concerned this person might be after you, then it's fine. But if your motivation is you enjoy sharing gossip and you're using the fact that this person is going after you as an excuse for it, it might not be fine. And we might not care about probability much at all. Aha, uh -huh. it's just... If, and if the probability becomes small enough, we might say we don't believe you. We might say, no, we don't actually believe you think the whole world is, might kill you in some potential future, which you didn't even start. You're really just sharing gossip that you made. But it's really we want all the NSA agents to claim that really our intentions are pure, so we can eavesdrop on whatever we want from all Americans, always. Honestly, I think it's true. The NSA, what, what other motivations do the NSA have? The NSA just um, wants people safe. I don't think they have any other motivations. They're sharing people's like information randomly, like across the office. Didn't Snowden have like some pretty like terrible? That is true. Stuff? Fine. The people who send naked pictures of people they find online across the office are probably doing it for. J. Edgar Hoover kind of disabused us of any notion that government agencies, you know that deal with confidential information mm -hmm. do so entirely lishma, um, mm -hmm. right? You know, that, that, that they, won't, they yeah. won't blackmail people. But I think it's a plausibility threshold. It's not like a sharp threshold. It's whether you, do we really believe what you're doing is conducting investigation or do we think you're just sharing gossip and using investigation as an excuse? But if, right, so you think that a properly motivated so uh, universal surveillance is legitimate, right? Suppose, right, I monitor the internet for the sole purpose of trying, right, of trying to prevent people from doing wrong X. Yeah, so let's say I write computer software, pretty good. Let's say I write pretty good machine learning software and anything that's shown to a human has at least a 30% chance of being a real terrorist. I think that, and you implement that uh, universally. It reads everyone's mail everywhere, only shows humans things that have an actual 30% chance of being, um, of being terrorism, that'd be 100% fine. Yes, you are reading everyone's information in the software, but it's clearly done for legitimate purpose. And even if you replace the software with a human who reads everyone's mail, but only shows their superior or anyone else, something with a 30% chance of being terrorism, it's fine. So why, why can't I, like if I get together a group of, of 100 people randomly, the odds that one of them is planning to commit a crime at any given time are probably pretty high, right? So why can't I just like surveil all of them without their knowledge and like wiretap? Can. Why can't I just wiretap all Americans myself? I think you can. He just doesn't trust your motives. I don't, I don't believe you, but I think in theory you can. So the only people who are going to end up doing it are going to be vigilantes, who of course are the most trustworthy and uh, regular. Well, they may have tools. It might be that, you know, that we have the NSA. Does Batman do that in one of the movies? I'm pretty sure he does. And we require, it could be, we require, we require, what we do basically is now we require federal agents to come to court and demonstrate their motivation. Also, not only that, it's also true. As some company has, has access to the actual text, on more or less every message you've sent in the last month. There are very few exceptions. There are a few exceptions. Probably private WhatsApp messages might be an exception. But, uh, but we do live in this world. It's not like an imaginary world. We live in a world where private entities surveil every piece of information, every way you communicate with anyone. And I don't know why we're imagining we don't. Um, so what we try they're to do is doing it in a way that I know they're doing it, right? I know Gmail has access to my emails. I don't know that you have access to all of my Gmails. Why? Well, why should knowledge have anything to do with gossip? I don't think eavesdropping should be any different than uh, gossiping. Why does knowledge make a difference? You don't think it makes a difference if I know? They well, I mean, that's the question we're dealing with this summer. And I, and I just don't object to it. That's the privacy question. It makes a big difference in privacy, but it makes no difference in any of the traditional or anything like that. Doesn't it? 
If I give you consent to tell to say something about me, that doesn't make any difference. Not according to Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim doesn't think you can say Lashon about yourself, which by definition give consent. If, but, but we're talking about a case in which everything we're, we're claiming everything is a talus, so that, that that wouldn't apply here. Everything that we do is known to at least three people. They want to take Peshav Shat in the Gemara. Lashon Hara is gone. So, hmm. yeah. I don't know how this would connect necessarily to the internet, but let's say there's like a case that we were talking about before with like people trying to harm us or like business situations. So like if somebody already stole from somebody else, so maybe somebody will be like, okay, from now on, I'm gonna eavesdrop on this uh, business partner just in case they don't steal, like after the fact that they already stole. Well, yeah. Let's say there's a situation where like yeah. you live in a corrupt society. So you think, okay, there's a big likelihood that this other business is gonna steal from me. So maybe I'll just like always listen in just in case. So yeah, the difference between two things. I, like, I, after the somebody already stole, or we anticipate that because the this is a corrupted area or something, it might happen. So, right. that's, so that's right. Okay. I might I might feel compelled to wiretap Google and the FBI because the odds are they're wiretapping me and I need to know about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, why can't the KGB read everybody's mail? <laughs> so right. So I think you this point, like you know, so when we have something that would be there are lots of things that would be fine if people only did it with. Um, with proper motivation, and terrible and terrible if they don't, right? So we could, you know, we you know we can give people all sorts of power, the power that people know the power to detain people, the power, right? All those things, and we try not to give them to government agencies that have very clear controls. And so the issue, right? So the two questions: one is what what is what you know? How do we track that? In do we really want private agencies to have any power at all um, to do that? We could set up a system, right, where where private people can go to court to ask for wiretaps the same way the government can. Right? I have a suspicion that John Doe that John Doe is plotting me harm. So right, so I would like to put a put a tap on their phone. And FBI agents can do it, so why can't I? You're telling FBI agents have to get a court order, so do I. Um, but I think that's right. So I think I think again that part of the challenge Halakha works on Avid Initiative and Nafshe, and, and in America we do not, we very much assume not Avid Initiative and Nafshe, right? We assume that everything should be handed over to the courts, and therefore all the powers that you would need to sustain your legal powers have to do it. And we also, I think, have you know real debates about whether America has been um has been successful at, cont- at containing it. Um, right? You know, do we really right? Is it really okay that we live in a system where um, where our communication is controlled by third parties and human beings can read it. Mm-hmm. Right? Always, always scared. Like, what happens if and someone who knows it, me? It's not just like theoretical that they read it. Like, if they get a subpoena from the government, they will produce the information. And again, 99% of cases, there is a few cases that they won't, but pretty much every case they will because it's there. It's readable. And it's, the potential for human to read it is there. I'll supply the support on it and the human will read it. Yeah, no, I think that's true, right? That everything we put out there is is discoverable. Um, and what we've done is we've outsourced our information to somebody else who has much less interest in protecting it than we do in most cases. Yeah. Um, so I think I mean I think you could you could imagine an argument that all Hilfoslashinara have vanished in our right in our age because privacy is gone. And the argument I made about about Shmia, right? We just and this is great, right? We live in a world which, you know, some of my when I was younger were very enthusiastic about. We live in a world in which everybody understands what it's like to what it's like for God to be watching your every idea, your everything. 
And you're always terrified. Like you say, we say, the only reason you sin is because you might think God can't know about it. But God doesn't have to be supernatural. He just has to, he just has to have it in the database storage with a good search, with a good, with a, with a good search mechanism, right? Uh, right. So maybe we're very enthusiastic about that in high school. Um, right. That, you know, I think they would say, you know, with Kudra, you know, that's why the, ca the camera was invented so that people could finally understand what it means to say, I ain't Roeth. It was in Shabbat. And Sounds uh, like the sort of thing high school already would say. It doesn't, you know, <laughs> you know and, and the kind of thing that doesn't work well on, on, on the libertarian students, <laughs> or perhaps creates the libertarian students. Uh, it could very well be that some of my political leadings come from the glee that my high schooler babe had about imagining a world in which there was right there were video cameras and sound sound recorders everywhere. Um, well, maybe even, Hashem cares about our privacy, so he doesn't look. At that would be nice. That would be nice, right? Even, even you know, but what about, you know, but like the classic image, right? If you, right, as you go up to Shemayim and they play the video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? So we're very, very happy about that. Um, and it raises a question, right? You know, why, why, do we, why do we need privacy against each other if we don't have privacy against God? Right? That's a fair theological that's a fair theological question, which my lamb will respond by saying, well, the God has privacy against us, but that's a very interesting claim. Mm-hmm. And he tries to argue that we have privacy against God also, but I didn't really buy that. So I'll we'll have to see, right? Whether, whether he's at all uh, all compelling, right? Um, yeah, I think Miriam's your formulation is correct that we have reserved violence and violations of privacy to the government, and we have read and we no longer see ourselves unless we're, we're you know most people don't see themselves as entitled to protect themselves against the government, although right that is a movement. Um, argue that it's very dangerous for the government to have monopoly on violence. In, right, mm -hmm. the monopoly of violence against other citizens is fine, but for the government to have monopoly on violence that citizens can't resist, right? Yeah. That uh, those of us who are alive in 1776 think this is a bad idea. That's our second, <laughs> and that's our second for January 6th argument. Uh, thank you. Yes, Miriam. Oh, I just wonder if maybe the reason, you know how we say that uh, privacy between spouses isn't such a big deal? Um, well, Mikoski said that, yes. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I wonder if the reason is because, you know, they trust each other that, and the same thing, you can tell your friends something that's like close to you, it's just your friend can't then, you know, spread it. So, you know, the reason is because we trust them that when they listen, they're going to hear that it's in our best interest and that they care, you know? And uh, it's the same thing with Hashem, that we trust Hashem, that Hashem listens to everything with compassion. Well, consent and presumptive consent, right, which are not necessarily the same thing. Mm -hmm. But it still matters, right? Yehuda was trying to argue it shouldn't matter at all. Okay, good. So let's bracket that for the let's bracket that for the moment. I think that's a good opening. So okay, so here's where Rishonikolsky says there's hezekria, which we're not sure about. There's all the sort of lashon hara. Um, but he's not sure there's a prohibition about listening without intent to tell somebody else. And that's the cases Rabbi Zering talked about in, um, in, um, in depth. Um, and is there, he says, right? so That's an interesting model for, um, interesting model for what we call back-end regulation or what we, or exclusionary, the exclusionary clause in American criminal law. Right, which says right, that evidence that has been obtained in illegitimate ways can't be used. That's a deterrent. Um, so it's an interesting analogy to Kabbalah's Lashon Hara. Right? Kabbalah's Lashon Hara is not, I think, intended 
as a deterrent for somebody to say it. Aha, if you say it in Lashonara, I won't be able to believe you anyway. Mm-hmm. First of all, because you can be choshesh for it. Um, and secondly, anybody, anybody restrained from here, right? Restrained from telling you Lashonara because the other person will, right, will say, no, now I can't believe you. And if the other person doesn't want to listen to you, then you might not want to say it. Doesn't want to listen to you, mm-hmm. right? So Galat Lashonara could be a restraint against telling me. But it can't, right? You know, against trying it. But once, but it doesn't help once it's right. It doesn't help once it's told. Right? I don't. I don't think the Israel, the Israel Kabbalah This isn't the Israel Kabbalah It's not the Israel of listening to it, right? But it's true. But that, which I think the way the Chavos Chaim would understand it, right? That it's usher to believe it once you've been told. So why is that? So I think he's he's trying to argue by analogy that if that the purpose of of telling you you're of telling you you're not allowed to believe it. Is is to is to deny the other person the incentive of telling you, but I mean, it could be the purpose of it, or it could be just a result of it. I don't know if it works at all, right? If once you listen, do people really care whether you believe them or not in that way? I'm only telling you because you'll believe me. And, and it, how many people really don't believe you, right? This is a version, right? So we try this in American courts, right? You know, tell the jury disregard. Everything right, act 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 as it right, act as if you haven't heard it. It doesn't work so well as juries of lawyers will tell you. And there you have a formal way of doing it. It's like in real life, where my goal is not to just right, is my goal is not to get you to make it, it comes up, right? You know, if somebody whispers Lush and Hara, um, am I right to me? Am I allowed to fire the, the employee? Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody right, somebody comes and tells me Lush and Hara that someone so you know, someone someone so is you know is mean to their puppy, uh, whatever right, whatever it may be. So okay, you know. I think I think that we we can learn to compartmentalize and say that I'm not allowed to act on this information, but to say but to say I'm not allowed to believe it, that's really hard. That's really hard. That you know that takes maybe the kind of people who can you know be happy because it's Shabbos and then sad because the relative was after in sequence. So maybe the only going could also choose to believe things or not believe things based on what Allah tells them they're allowed to believe. And we have lots of Allah like that that mandate feelings, <laughs> but beliefs. Whether you have a level that mandates belief is a very hard thing. I mean, this certainly wouldn't be the first place it's discussed. <laughs> this is true. I mean, this is true. Also, like in general, like I don't think we should believe that many things we're told. Like we should always question things. Like so just saying, like somebody tells you a fact, like you should check the fact. True. So, I say I don't believe it, but say that like, somebody, because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. There are right? some that would say that belief in God is mandated by halacha. <laughs> there are some that would say that, and then, you know, and then, and then others would start quoting the hug at you. And so, like that, you know, that's obviously circular, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I believe okay, I, I could. I could say they're not allowed to have absolute faith in anybody says it, but am I allowed to believe it the same way I believe anything else? Anybody, right? Yeah. right to, to mandate, I'm allowed to believe. To mandate that people believe things less because they were told to me as lashon hara than if they were told to me in some other context. Probably should and question it more because somebody might have an agenda. Like if somebody tells you okay. like, a fact about like wood and tables, so what's their agenda i mean unless they're like a businessman of like selling yeah. tables like yeah what's their agenda well like lush and hara there's like it's like about people so there's often like some kind of hidden agenda like jealousy maybe. or something like maybe to the that speaker is biased Manda- man yeah. mandating halakhically seems to me to be in general mandating beliefs to me you know seems to be a failure halakhically so that's uh, i don't think it should be i mean I, I wrote this in tradition i don't think it should be possible to mandate to to mandate belief the most you can mm-hmm. do is mandate speech and mm-hmm. the belief seems to me to be uh, to I don't, I don't know how you would do it. Like, what would it mean to believe something because someone because you have to, as opposed to because it's true? I, I, I'm not even clear to be a coherent category. Mm-hmm. 
um, truth stays what it is. Um, can I mandate that you don't see this? I don't know. Hard, hard, hard to say you're looking at it, man. That no, don't see it. <laughs> hard to say. Uh, okay. Um, but that, of course, is a little bit. Yeah. How, yes. How is mandating belief different from mandating feeling? Yeah, that's the whole question whether Yavta really means emotion or means or, or means a certain kind of knowledge. And it's a fundamental problem with trying to apply the realm nowadays when we don't have the same faith and reason that he did. Um, right? It's a general issue as to how you how you mandate something, and how you mandate convincing yourselves of something in an age with, of epistemological uncertainty. Um, but mandating a, a feeling, right? So you can actually feel that way. Right? You can make yourself feel a certain way, right? That's, um, but can you? I think so. I think we all, we, you know, we could all, you know, we could, we've, we've all, I don't know, we've read, uh, right? isn't, that, isn't that Mary Poppins is all about that, right? It can't come down until you feel sad, and right, and the way, the way you, right, right, or or uh, getting rid of right the way you respond to buggers, hmm. or um, or uh, right, or produce Petronius, right? There, we all have, we have ways in which you can make yourself that way. They make you feel entirely that way. We discussed yeah, this on Yom Tov. You, you know, things people enjoy. You have to be required to be happy. So you do things that make you happy, and you practice being happy. You know, buy nice food, wear nice clothing. Right, whether you can happy. sustain it. Sustaining it is, you know, is a, is a much bigger challenge. But to feel, but to, to feel happy for a moment, I, I, I feel obligated to point out that my father here is one of his like three things he talks about is how mandating feeling is fine and normal, and he likes to talk about method acting and ways to, you know, it's, it's an extension of balishma is you pretend long enough and it goes into your inside, and there are different ways to make yourself feel that way and act this way all the time. There's no reason we can't do this kind of thing. He likes to talk about it with tefillah and with. It's a, right, so for belief, what you can do is you can put yourself in an environment where everybody makes fun of everyone who believes otherwise and supports you, right? You know, that's true. But you can, you can, put, you can put people in environments, but can you, can you mandate? I don't know. I, I, have trouble, I have trouble the notion of mandating truth because truth, I think, is an objective There could also be a difference between mandating belief and mandating disbelief. Uh, mm. I guess. Like, I would think it's easier to doubt the validity of something, something, something that someone else says is lush and hard than it is to, you know, be forced to believe something. That's true. All right. To say that, the right. you're having is that you don't like mandating someone believe something that is not true. That is correct. It's one, I think... thing, to it's one thing to mandate someone believe something that's true or feel a certain way, but to mandate someone believe in something that's a lie is hard. I guess, like for me, the issue is, you know, that that if I mandate someone to do something that is wrong, I can understand how that's justified because sometimes the system is more important than the action. Mm -hmm. But to mandate someone to believe something that's not true, I don't understand that could be justified. Either, right? So, well, you don't know if it's true. Right. So I can I can assert that it's true, but why mandate you believe it? Right. Assert that it's true, and either I trust you or I don't. Right. Also, what does the force add? If you're like. I don't really get, but. Even if you could force someone to believe something, does that. If you is could force it a belief, lower so that, level of belief. So that that's my perspective, right? Choice. There are things I believe, yeah. right? Is it worth it to me to right to beat you up until you believe them or not? Right? That's my Facebook. Whether you should whether you should believe it just because I say I'll beat you up if you don't, why? Like, okay, yeah. like somebody says something bad about a Jew, right? Yeah. So like why should you believe them in the first place? Like you should hopefully we think positively of our fellow Okay, but that doesn't require force. Maybe if they have a bad track record, then there are all sorts of good reasons not to believe things. 
Right. right, but that's not. As, but, but there are not any good reasons to force people to believe things that I can think like of. Like a character yeah. development thing, like you should see, join everybody right. favorably. That's different than mandating. Like you say, man, it's not, it's not so I different. can't force. I mean, judge everyone favorably. Why? You could also say, oh, that's mandating. Like Perkel would say, like you should. Um, uh -huh. uh, Interesting argument. Like you should always. You should. Oh, Why should you? See. Maybe you should um, judge people infavorably. Like, expect the worst. Mandating. Uh. What? I don't say Kirkabot is mandating things. Well, what do you mean by depends what you mean by mandate. Yeah. It's interesting. We could relate it also to uh, Rav Albo as, uh, as the only Jew that I know, traditionally I know, who talks about why why hope is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because hope is, right, hope means to, right, hope is irrational. Mm -hmm. Right? What you should actually do is have an accurate calculation of the odds. Yeah, uh, they right. say like depressed, chronically, like uh, very depressed people are more objective in their world view of like reality than not. I don't know who they. Nope, that's not true. No, not I've heard such a thing. Like, such yeah, a thing. okay, we're not going. No. We're going for her. So not good enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. talks about that. Okay. Uh, this is a. This is shocking. Um, <laughs> yes, Miriam. I, th I, I, I think that I, I don't mean to speak for you and feel free to correct me, but I think that the essence of your discomfort with the idea of mandating belief is that mandating anything else um, is just halacha. Mandating belief attacks you as a sentient human, and without that, you can't have halacha. Uh, it's, it's, could, it's attacking the foundation of the system. Could be interesting. Autonomy. It could be a zone of privacy, right? Well, yes, it's attacking autonomy, and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, no question. <laughs> no question. I like to claim, though, that it's because truth is, a, truth, is, truth is an objective thing. And therefore, I don't, you know, therefore, but I could be just a moment in heart and say the whole purpose of religion is for tr is truth in the end. And so right, the notion that you have to mandate it doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. Tangent. Uh, believe it or not, sometimes we have things that really are tangents. This is almost really a tangent. <laughs> uh, okay. So the question, right, so, uh, right, so, Shanaklaski raises a couple of uh, a couple of, of questions. Um, we've framed it right, framed the the issue right, recognizing how we move from the question of what individuals can do to what public policy should be, uh, how you define how, right, and the problem how you define threats if you're going to use some kind of um, some kind of pragmatic um, pragmatic calculus. Um, right, he deals with the question, well, you know, what, what does it take to get consent? That seems to be the, the, the less of the issues. Okay, so what does he say? How does he sort of? The first is, uh, you know, what does he say? Right, so, okay, the same way that you don't want people to listen to you without Rishus, so too you shouldn't listen to other people without Rishus. Great. Mm -hmm. That doesn't tell us any kind of, you know, I, don't, I don't know where that gets us at all. Um, yeah. uh, okay, you know, whatever, it's not. The, the, it is true that there are laws that derive from the Recha Kamocha, but in the absence of somebody showing me that, th that there is a law here that is derived from the Recha Kamocha, what we have is a value. And it's not a very reliable value because they're th right? it's easily pervertible by saying, no, I wouldn't mind at all. Right? After all, right? mm -hmm. if I were doing something wrong to that person, I wouldn't mind at all if they listened to it on me. I understand that, therefore, right? Um, or no, actually, I feel that my, you know, I, what happens if the Chavis Chaim gets up and says, you know what, I actually feel that my character is improved by realizing that the entire world is listening on me. And if I had my choice, I would, write, I would live my entire life in a box, uh, right, which was wired for sound and smell, um, right, and brainwaves, so that I could, right, so I would be constantly upright. Uh, and that way I would really understand what it meant to be, right, in Ayn Robos and Shamas. So is that person allowed to eavesdrop at everyone else too? No! Don't let that person. Don't let a person like that hear any of my information. 
mm-hmm. absolutely not. So I, I'm not, I am not, uh, I, I, I don't, um, it's true. Like what you have is you have the, you have the Chikikei uh, Leib, right? Applying in this context. So you, right, you could try and claim that he legislated, but it's not like this is like this famously well-known truva that everybody in, you know, in, in Morocco, uh, or right, listen to, you know, listen to that. I, I had to got to say, you know, like, no. Nah. Do you, you go for a great? Pardon? In the cases that we actually apply, it's rarely reciprocal. We don't apply it to say you should do what you think the other person wants. Like, you take the marriage case. That's not a reciprocal thing. She doesn't have to see you at all. We say you have to see her because of some, it's not exactly even clear. So I'm not sure how the standard would even work here. We don't know the standard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Alter Alki Kavoka is, you know, is, it, when, is interpreting Ray in a very particular way to mean, right, to mean your wife. I mean, we, we could just say that that's also reciprocal. Like, we could completely ignore the Gemara. Okay, um, we could make that reciprocal also. Uh, you know, that's, and I think that's, you know, Alter Alki Kavoka turning into Madalach Sane, right? Everybody already says it because we don't have faith in our ability to know what other, what other people want, really. I, I think this when you, when you said to say Kamocha, I think you're just basically appealing to some kind of claim of underlying intuition, and there's nothing, there's not mm-hmm. right unless you have some kind of statutory evidence that somebody somewhere actually made this a law. It doesn't. It's not. I don't see how you're going beyond ethical advice. Um, and it's only if you assume that all ethical advice is law that you can claim it's law. Okay, then he has Rechilus and Gilois and, and um, Gilois so. Um, right, so here, right, Sparmach had a critique. Let's let's go through it and see what it, what, it, what he actually says. Right, so the Ramam writes, "Ezel Rachil, Zeshet Toein Dvarim Bolech Mizel Ezel." Right, says so Rizering points out he's trying to he's trying to he's trying to uh, to um, to ground it in etymology. And he says, "This is what so and so said. This is what I heard about so and so." And that way, right, the the speaker never gives their own opinion. Right, that, I think that's the purpose of the Ramam's language. Right, the speaker never gives their own opinion; they only report an opinion, or the, right, uh, either they report an opinion, they report the opinion in the name of the speaker, or they report the opinion uh, in the name um, about the subject. But they never state they never state it's their own opinion. So you're a rachil if you say it that uh, all right. So the question is: Is it so? Why why is it machrivet Is it because it's lashon hara? Or because it's even right, even if it were true, or is it because you didn't say it in your own name and it's an, and it's an absolute, you're not taking responsibility? I think the Hesafishna is like the actual Hesafishna, like what the Hesafishna actually said is correct. I think mm-hmm. that the difference in the Rambam is, is whether or not there's like uh, mute in the thing that you said. Um, the difference between what and what? The difference between Rabdilis and Lashamara is whether it's his or not, right? Like, um, like I think, I think in the in the, in the Rambam, Fine. So he why is mentioning this in the in the, in the thing, and then he does mention him Lashon Hara like repeatedly? So if, if, yeah. if I say like, oh, I heard that Rav Shetler said this about this halachic area, yeah. it's like, Rachid. So I will. Yeah, that's so about that's, plenty. Right. So no. So that, that that's that's how. Like I think I think, I think that the, the shot of the Rambam is yeah. yeah. You 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 say like um, Rav Shetler said this thing that is Rachilus. If you said Rav Shetler said this thing and doesn't it make him look bad, that's Lashon Hara. But Rashad said this thing, anything, if I report a, a halachic position in his name, that's... Yeah, like anything. I mean, it seems like... And the way he reads it, and the way the seems to be phrasing it, it's Dafka, when I say, Rav Schechter said this thing about you, Rabbi Clapper, that I think you should know. That that's... That. 
Ronald he doesn't say anything about saying it about the person specifically that you're reporting yeah. to them. That is yeah. entirely Roshankolovsky reading it into the Ramam. It's not yeah. in the Ramam at all. I don't even know Roshankolovsky reads it into the Ramam. He reads it because of Mishnah. So what do you think the Ramam means by Kacham or Ploni? That's what Ploni said. You're just reporting what Ploni said. Yeah, you're reporting what Ploni said. Period. But maybe it's not Rechilos unless you have no purpose for reporting what Ploni said, except so the other person will know that Ploni said it. Right? Maybe, maybe we really think that you're not allowed to say anything that somebody said to you unless you have permission, right? Like Akamara and Yoma. So it you think it's revealing it's secrets? It's intuitive that it's about like things that like, that you're just sharing what somebody said again for no purpose or that clearly like they didn't want to have spread around. Like that's what he's saying here. And I agree with the interpretation, whether it has to be about the person you're talking to or not. The fact that it's about something that like they would not want to have just spread around to a bunch of people. If it's something that it's like Rev Schechter said this thing about milk, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not, that's not Rachilus. That's, that's, that's me sharing Torah for, for like, you know, that's not. Yeah. So we can claim but, that, Torah, that, Torah, that sharing Torah is defined as not. But wait, but Lexi is fudging uh, here. Lexi is fudging here. Um, yeah. She's saying both something you wouldn't want to have spread around and for no purpose. We have to pick one. Oh, unless it has to be both. Which of those is the one you actually meet? Because you said both of them. They're actually very different. Uh, I mean, okay. I think you could argue that it would probably, like, I think you, people could argue either way. I think the Rambam would probably say that anything that has no purpose is not great, even if it's not something the person would care deeply about, that I think he believes you're just not really supposed to be, like, talking about other people if for no reason. Like, so I think you can, I think you can take it either way. I think the Rambam would say anything that has no purpose, even if it's not particularly secret, you shouldn't be sharing. And I think there's like all other plausible readings. What about uh, the other way around? Like, let's, let me give you a specific example. Let's say a rabbi has a position, they're a little embarrassed about, let's say they hold like the rift by Ketan. and think there's no such thing as a Ketab. Any stain is not a, it's just a tumor thing. It has nothing to do with Easter. And then they pass in something else that's dependent on it. They pass in something at the size of Ketan. But their other position is private. So the, and what if, can you tell someone you shouldn't really listen to their public position because it's not a big issue for them because they have this private position which makes it irrelevant. They Even really if they don't want their private business better than that. They don't think it's going to apply at all. So the fact I that they're being flippant with the size like, of the topic isn't a big I deal. I don't think that falls. I don't think that question would fall. Just to me, just doesn't seem to fall under Rechilu. Like, I think you could argue about, okay, well, how much do they actually like actively care about keeping it a secret versus it's just not what they like. They, they care a lot. It's a very um, unfortunate position. It's a very um, unpopular position. They think they'll harm their standing a lot if people say, if people know about it. But it's true and it affects this stuff. So it's a clear toilet. It's a clear, the strongest that I would think possibly have. That's not true. I think, I think when like, it's Torah and you're sharing somebody's opinion on I... Torah for Pesach, I don't think that's like, that's, that's not you gossiping about the person. That's you giving them like a relevant opinion for them to poskin. Like that's- uh, Okay, Jake wants to say something. I disagree though, because we have the case of like, after like a bait has made their judgment, you can't say like, you can't reveal the opinions of the diadem. And so- And that is also Torah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's not relevant. Well, no, but that's when a judgment has been enacted. That's not about poskening something new. That's about like saying, I can't say oh. who voted for what. Yeah, but that's not the same because that's not effective. That's not about for future. That's not about for like practically right now what I need to do. In this case, it's like mm-hmm. useful for me because knowing this information is going to help me poskin a case now. Well, what so what, what if judge ruled on what is not going to 
what, what, is, what is the same case comes up? And I tell somebody, you know, you might be inclined to follow that Rabbanut, that Rabbanut case, but guess what? It was these I can two. say there were two judges who voted for this and one who voted against it. And the, one who, voted for, and the one who voted against it is the only one who really matters, and the other two are just political appointees, right? Yeah. <laughs> it matters to me. There's certain all sorts of Rabbanut cases where, we, you know, where, which is yeah. why the Rabbanut now actually publishes opinions, mm-hmm. uh, right? Where it matters mm-hmm. a great deal to me that Rabdukhovsky said this. And Sherman said that. I think that that would also probably be fine. Like if you look at the Sanhedrin thing, it's it seems to be like the the quote that we have oh. of this guy is being like basically being like, well, I thought this, and this was clearly correct, but these two judges like da da da. I think it's clearly within the context of somebody trying to like whatever, like justify why their opinion was the right one because they're like bitter about having been outvoted or whatever, not like, oh, this is really relevant for us making another opinion on this. Uh, another Interesting. Thing. Cause I, I have this question. I have this child right now in my own life, but there were, there is something, there is a practice of, 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 but they did around the world that um, I think is really, really wrong. Really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beit and I serve on has the same practice. And somebody came to me and asked me, uh, right. You know, and, it, and this practice survives only because it is not revealed to the parties. And somebody mm-hmm. came to me and said, uh, you know, as a third party and said, you know, somebody, somebody, a friend came to me and said, they said this bait in said this to them. And they felt like it was really, they felt like it was you know, really a bad thing. Can you explain to me? And I had two possible answers. One is, don't worry about it. Every bait in does it. And the other is, every bait in does this and it's evil. Mm-hmm. And our bait in does it too, but I fought against it and I was overruled. So am I allowed to say, right? So that was a real amount of, am I allowed to say that, right? So I fought against this, but I was overruled. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, I tell you that by, you know, by, I can tell you that by Katras, right? But you know, by Katras, I wasn't functioning as a bait when I was overruled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you allowed to tell us what it is? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> or is that less than That's exactly the question. Right? Yeah. Am I allowed to tell you, am I allowed to tell you what it is or not? Uh, right, I can tell you it's not about a specific case. It's just well, about you told us this practice and you're not like, and these are the people who specifically are upholding it. And I think it's really despicable that so-and-so, but you just said, well, this is the pro- practice. Well, been to the I, the I know who all the people on there are. Yes. If you tell me who it is, I, I can tell you, I can almost certainly guess which way every person on every, the No, 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 it's every other diet in the United States. I, 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 alone, I alone stand for God on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, not. maybe there are thousands of Diani, but they're all just minorities. Pardon? We don't actually know. Maybe there are thousands of who agree with you. They're all just minorities. It would be nice. They can't reveal it. Would it. Nice. it would be nice. It would be nice. It would be nice if on every bait in there was. So all you know, Rabbi Mies agrees with you, and he's the head of the ICA, but he's just overruled the other members of the. Of and he has no ability to tell it to me. And he can't tell to you. In Achinami. In Achinami. It's the silent minority, uh, which really, you know, if, if only we're allowed to, if only we're allowed to speak. Uh, I don't know. Uh, one other question. Let's, let's suppose that I'm in the, in the privacy of my home. And you know, and I at some point I start reading, uh, I start reading uh, Harry Potter out loud, and then you come to share and you say, "The Clapper was reading Harry Potter out loud." Is that what the Rama means by Kacham or Plony? Yeah. Interesting. You think it's just about speech? I tend to think it's only opinion. That the whole point of Rachilus is that is right is that you you're you're expressing opinions, you're reporting opinions without taking wow. responsibility for them. And then the other question is like. To what extent do we say the Ramam was speaking strictly halachically as opposed to like Musser and Deo and stuff like that? I think it's definitely very clear because of Mishnah thinks that would be Rafilis, which is more important because he completely reads because of Mishnah. Okay, so we have the Ramam. We have we have open possibilities in the Ramba. Let's go to the Kesiv Mishnah as a Leslie, you want to say something? It's the Sanhedrin from I was like glancing over the uh, 
Rabbi Lamb thing and his reference of it. And I, I think that you could also argue that specifically it's about like who voted to convict versus acquit is what the Sanhedrin case is dealing with. And you could argue that that's not like talking about any case of judgment, but that potentially like specifically in like a capital case or specifically in a case of like, oh, who voted to say this person is is Chayev or not Chayev, which isn't relevant to just not being able to share people's like legal opinions. It's about Mamanos. It's about Mamanos and it's an attempt to curry favor by not taking responsibility for your court's verdict. Mm. And that is a real, that, that's a real thing, right? If you, know, if yeah. you serve on a court and you don't take responsibility for his verdicts, that's a big issue which is part of why the issue I'm raising was a big issue because I serve on a court and right. And we make, we make this thing happen. Um, and, you know, and I get up and scream, it doesn't do any good. But if I now say, you know, they do it and I don't, that's a big, uh, that's a big issue. That's a big, right. That's a big issue. Um, you know, and would it change if I'm no longer on the court? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I do it then and say that I never, I never want to do that when I'm not on the court mm-hmm. anymore? Is only while you're still well, on the court. Can you also like write articles to like try to advocate for like change? Would that still be like, that? I think oh. I could do right, but mm-hmm. uh, the claim that I'm muzzled, right? You know that I can't write about the issue, right? That's very that's that would be very hard to say. That you can't write about an, you can't write what you think is the truth about an opinion that you were overruled. Uh, but maybe in specific cases that's true, right? That, that's yeah, like before it's overruled. Right, right. Can I say like because because no, but I was I I lost. Right? Can I now write an article explaining why it was that why it was that I should have won? I mean, I think Lexi's distinction might be very important because, like, in a monetary case, there's all all, all the different factors weighing one side or another, and you might have thought that it weighed this way, and the other judges thought it weighed the other way, as opposed to if it's a case of like we're trying to figure out what the halacha is. And you think the halacha is this, then that's like a right, but sometimes, valid opinion that you could just spread one. Sometimes yeah, so based on his Matir Naguna and when Diane disagrees, you don't actually want him writing a long hit piece about how you guys were all wrong. Um that is correct, right? If a Beit Din is you know, well, in Israel, in Israel, you would they would now publish the opinions, right? And that was a big shift, right? To mm-hmm. right to move to justified opinions. If you were the Beit Din responsible for making the decision as a Beit Din, then you probably wouldn't want that. That's correct. Um on the other hand, let's suppose the Beitin ruled that a woman is still in Aguna, and everyone knows the facts. And then I read an article, expl- you know, explaining why, uh, right? Why, in fact, why, why, why I think that the the, the what the halacha is, and in that halacha, it's right. It makes it entire. It makes it entirely clear that I voted the other way in Beitin, mm-hmm. right? At least I'm claiming that if I read not read it, everyone everyone understood. Yeah. Everyone understood what the issue was. Um, so right, that, that's. I tend to think that there has to be freedom to write. Like you can't be you can't be bound by the basis you happen to serve on, uh, in that way. Um, it's certainly be a big to say that there's not. There's no. Isn't, that, isn't this what Sakhen is about? Like, there isn't freedom to write if you're on a beitin they rule against you. Mm. Essentially, <laughs> just a bigger beitin. But that's not exactly everything what, is about Sakhen Mamre. That's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be about autonomy. <laughs> literally publishing your sock. About something that's unheard that's ruled against you on. That is fundamentally what the Israel Zakinamra is. Uh, hmm. No, you have to tell people to follow it before, right? Get right against it. So you're saying you're allowed to write, I disagree, but no one should listen to me. And they should continue this evil practice, which I've explained why it's evil for all these reasons. You have to write that in your article? I think so, probably, yes. You probably have to fact- say that I encourage everyone to continue this evil practice. I know all about to murder puppies inside the room while they deliberate because they think the smell of puppy blood helps them think the term more clearly. And I just to take what I know is not. Well, I know that they're, 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 they're and I think everyone should continue murdering puppies, but it is extremely evil. We should stop. <laughs> I don't think it, there, there's a. 
and mandating of that. Like, the interesting <laughs> question is, but if you were in a bezin, the bezin ruled that a woman is still an anxious ish, and you leave the bait in, and you write and you write a trip saying, no, she's not an anxious ish, she should go remarry. That's being like a nun, right? Well, can you marry her? Can you marry her yourself? Well, we possibly write that that if that asakarasa was also a zakinam, right? Sure. But my point is, we're talking about how you have to say there's freedom to write, but I think what Zakin Mama is about is about there not being freedom to write. I don't think so. I think I could leave the I think I think I could leave the court in principle, and I should be able to write that the court that a, an issue that came up in the court is really right. The court decided one way, and I did, and I think the halakha should be different. I think that in the, in the rules of Zakin Mamre, which is not about this Gilo so in the rules of Zakin Mamre, right? In the, under, under the pure rules of Mamre, there's not right the, the Bezin rules that a, that that a particular couple should get executed because they were still right because uh, she was an Asian ish, and I leave the court and I say no, they shouldn't have because the original marriage her original marriage should have been annulled. That's not being a Zakin Mamre. Would you feel differently if? Everyone on the court who disagreed vote such that you found out it was decided by one vote, and now you know what everyone holds. I think that might be a problem with Gilui Sod, but it's nothing to do with Zakin Mamre. I understand the problem with Gilui Sod. Well, they're running into each other because the way we're getting around Gilui Sod is saying knowing the truth about Torah is such a strong value, it overrules almost every other value, which is a generally coherent position, which many rabbis hold. But the point is, it can't override every value, which is what Zakin Namre is here to try to show. So we know that at least some values are more important than having. I, I don't think Zakin Namre. It's not about knowing the truth; it's about challenging. Yeah, the I, I think that, that I think it's you know that it, it's a principle of halakha that there is no there is no restraint about halakhic opinion. The whole point of Zakin Namre is that you're only chayav once, right? Once, once you're mora, not when not what not what you say the halakha is theoretically. I think it's very important that halakha never, never, never restrains halakhic opinion. Would you agree with this about metahalakhic opinions too? Like, yeah. what if you published an article saying this Dion was puzzle of her, and therefore the whole psak is uh, irrelevant because uh, he was the deciding vote? So, well, you know, you know, I was talking about the Gemara Nyavamos as the most dangerous Gemara in Shas, right? The Gemara that says that if you know the Sanhedrin is wrong, then they don't count, and you have a chiv to go against them, um, right? On, on facts, right? That the Gemara, the Gemara, but the, the more radical Gemara, the Gemara said if you know the Sanhedrin is wrong on the facts. Then you have a, you have a chiyav to disobey them in your camp, right? That's a very dangerous gemara because all opinions depend on facts. You're right. You're writing a fact case, um, and we have to talk about the the Langer case, right? Which is essential because that's what Rav Gurin does, and you know that still reverberates whether you know, Rav Gurin was essentially declared as a Zakin by the by the rest of the by the rest of the. So you don't know about this case? I don't know about this case. Uh, okay, I'm going to turn off because it's not worth it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, okay, so this Kesed Mishnah says says about this drama. It's not on bed; it's on Aleph, right? At least that's mm -hmm. what I have. Yeah. Uh, okay, Sparrow, why don't you read it and tell tell us what you think it means, and we can we can argue. Okay, so um, so he's focusing. Roshengolotsky is focusing entirely on the first part of this. He cuts off the end completely. Um, he doesn't pay attention to any of the rest of the Kesef Mishnah, right? But he quotes the beginning, um, where the Kesef Mishnah sort of paraphrases what the Mishnah Torah says, um, right? That um, the Raman holds that a Rahil is somebody who says, uh, Pluni said this about you, or um, he did he did this to you. Um, and then the keywords here, I think, in Kesef Mishnah, which uh, Roshengolotsky admits, are um, Right? It's, it's, it's even though that thing is not like a negative thing. Um, the sentence doesn't even end there. So the person you're saying it to. Um, person you're saying it about, sorry. Well, the person you're saying it to or about? About, sorry, yeah. Um, How does Lamishan MR mean about? 
I don't know. That's what it has to mean because 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 of the example. Yeah, that's a real problem reading it, right? Because it says the nation MR. Um, yeah, I don't know, but the, but the, but the continuation of the sentence is so um right so his example is um is what is doing telling um shaul that achimelech um and his example is doing telling shaul that achimelech gave like bread and a sword to and and then goliath sword to david right that's not david but, doing, but it's achimelech a... doing anything to shaul and it's certainly not something that achimelech thinks he's doing to shaul Right, so why does he have this? Right, right. that's so a bad example. example. Does not fit his. Which means he must be speaking precisely at the beginning, and that must be that the focus is, is the lack of. But yes. even within the, even within that linguistic thing, it's a bad example because the point is Achimaz. If Achimaz knew how Shaul would take it, he would think it's lashon hara. Um. Right, but he doesn't think that the Achimel. Achimel doesn't think that like the that like the specific word Achimel that Joey is saying are are, are because he's in ignorance of right because Achimel is, is under a false impression that David and Shaul are getting along. Achimel made a mistake, and so of course if you make a mistake, more, I think he would say the Lashon has to objectively be Kinos, as opposed to like um, like Sprechilis, which is like subjectively like normal information which you are reporting for some sort of ulterior motive. <sighs> Like, certainly Doeg intended as good. Yeah. It doesn't matter <laughs> and, how you intend it. And Achimelech would have thought it's it good if he had done words, It matters whether the words themselves would be defined as no, if you took them outside, out of context, and just looked at them. Is it not? If I, but, it, but the words themselves are not... I mean, let's suppose... He didn't right? say Achimelech betrayed you. He said Achimelech did these things. Okay, I walk over to you and I say, Siparamachla, that person over there has a gun and is aiming it at you. <laughs> That's not neutral information. <laughs> Why not? Nobody thinks that's neutral information. If you took those words out of context, everyone would say, wow, that sounds like a threat. If you did, if you told me, wow, that person over there has a, has a tape recorder, right? And you happen to know that I really hate reporters, um, right? That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I do not see that as a sustainable. Is that I think just that's what he's saying. It's not about the word. It can't be about the words. I think but, that's what he's saying. So I also understand it then. <sighs> um... It's 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 fair that's that would be great, right? Because if Achimelech would have been proud, would have said, "Yes, I'm proud of it," but then it's look, it's still at the very least what Doeg does is Masira. Sure, so we disagree with the Kesef Mishnah, but like it's just a like, bad example. I don't know what to do with that example. This is a bad example. But clearly, it cannot be that that the, the Doeg is is telling um, Shaul that Achimelech did anything to him. Because he isn't. He's like, that's not what he's telling the information he's telling him. He's telling him about something that Dubbin did, right? He's reporting a third party. So it can't be that the, 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 the um, no. Mishnah really needs He's reporting who, who aided and abetted the rebel. That's something that, he, that, that he's not, that's not the words he's saying. Uh, what what are the words saying? better? He's describing the actions of Dubbin. He's telling him. The, the like, it's, in the, it's the really no game of the talking about is, 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 is No, you don't get the truth. Which of the two ponies? Which of the two ponies? If I say, if right, if I if I say, you would have told Sir right? So the fact, right, that I say we're only talking about Sir and she didn't say anything. No, I can't do that. I said you would have told Sir I, I don't get that at all. I don't get that at all. He's, he's not reporting something that, that that was done directly to to show he just isn't that's not what he's reporting if somebody he's reporting something that Achimel did for david which he knows that show will interpret badly show is the state and he's and david is a rebel and he's reporting aiding and, and abetting the rebellion that usually gets your planet wiped out i don't know 
You think if you think if you think you think you can summarize that as Pluni uh, Asalafaka about Achimelech? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not convinced by that. I mean, okay, Lexi, what do you want to say? Didn't actually know what he was doing, but in any case, like it's certainly it's clear he's telling Shaul this because Shaul is going to interpret this as he like as yeah, this of course affects me. Like you, you were harboring the person who is like rebelling against me. Like it's directly relevant to Shaul and his matters and his whatever security, whatever. The, the example is just weird to me, right? Because it should be a straight lesson her. Mm-hmm. It's not Lashon Hara because it's something that doesn't have like objective dosidic. If I tell you that person over there has a small dog, right? That is not objectively a fact that anyone would take as Rechilas. But I know in your case that it means you're going to be much more reluctant to go to their house, right? So I'm deliberately <laughs> telling you information that will make you think badly of them, even though it's not objectively negative information. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Rechilas is. It has nothing to do with the with the. That's thing. what the Mishnah is saying. Okay, I, I confess I don't know what the Gazmishna is saying because it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand because the Doe case at the very say, would anybody think that if Doe had come and asked to Shiloh, there's somebody <laughs> who thought that David was right and Shul was wrong, right? If Shul, if somebody thinks Shul was right and Doe comes and asks to Shiloh, we'll say, of course you need to put down rebellions. And if you come and somebody thinks David is right, what David did was Usser, right? It's Rechilos. That's why it's the. That's not Rechilos. Would it be Usser because of Forget whether it's or not, right? Suppose there were no Isser Rechilos, it would still be Usser. It's murder. Well, we're talking about. Or it's not, or it's mutter. Or it was, pardon? No, the murder the part was when Dewey murdered all the people. <laughs> <laughs> it was not when Dewey told Shovel. It was when he took a sword and murdered Achimelech. I think it's pretty easy to separate the murder and the talking when the same person does both. <laughs> <laughs> he does it in order to get Shovel, right? He does it. And he knows the outcome is likely that Shovel is going to order him to kill the person. Like he's not saying he that he had know about this. Like, thanks for telling me. That's really good to know. Like, found someone to kill. Uh-huh. Not going to be the consequence. Like, they, you tell uh-huh. people who are seemingly betraying the kingdom because you know they're going to be punished. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's just, it's just a terrible example. It's just a terrible example. Okay. It's Masira. It's really like, it, it could, or it's or it's he's heroic. But I, I don't think I don't think there's any universe in which Do, in which Doeg's action needs to come down to a Shaila about whether it's Rachilas. Okay. I mean, it could be both. It could also be Rachilas, but you can't bring a Raya from it. Yeah. Oh look, he like did this, it. friend. You don't like it, but I think it's still because of what you're saying. Right. You know, I would. I'd rather he wouldn't. He weren't. If that's really what he's saying, that's all I can do. How do you understand, like, like the like the end part where he's very, very clear? The difference is the dose, right? Yeah. But he keeps on saying Kiruchil, right? He he's, he sticks on the analogy also. Rachel Mikhail. specifically saying that the case of Doig in that case, right, is something where there's no gnus, but you are taking you are taking information from one person and taking it to another person. That's that's Rafilus. There's no mention of like it needing to be about the same person. And I don't think the Doig example fits that, even though I know you do. But like Yeah, I I, okay. I'm willing to leave the cat submission in advance for now because I'm not um, not convinced the cat submission is is intelligible to us at this stage. Mm -hmm. Um, you can each take your own your own position as to what it is. Okay. Um, so that that's that's um so we have right so we have we have after that and we can do with that we have Rechilus, which is is may have been blown up. Um, for is our, there any situation according to Roshan Roshan Kolesky in which you can be 
um, like, um, like, like where you can be like doing something wrong because you are repeating neutral information to somebody. If he's really limiting Rafilos and the Rambam this, this way, right? Does he really think that it's just totally fine for me to say anything that I know about somebody to you as long as it's neutral information, which is what would seem to come out of Sorry, say it again. I'm not following. Say it again. If you read the Roman Roshan Klevsky says, then yes. there is no prohibition of repeating neutral information about somebody to somebody else, period. It's only if it's a if, it, if, it, if I'm repeating something that I know that somebody did or said about you to you, right? There's no general prohibition of me repeating stuff. You're allowed to talk to people. You're like, right, according to Rafilos, yes, yeah. right? It is. Spermachlet told me that if you put grated cheese on the, on, the, on the potatoes, they taste better. Should that be yes, sir? What if you know that somebody, like, or, you know, thinks that... Like, should that be if I if you say I'm a vegan, who will think that I'm a terrible person because I said that you should put cheese on potatoes. Um, okay, so he has no, has no capacity for making that also. <laughs> yeah, like, let's say... <laughs> that's the first thing where I think that it's... Well, yeah. so like, I think it does relate to the matter. Like this person didn't wash their hands before they started cooking, if you were working oh, That's straight oh, the Sorry, Lexi, what do you want to say? Oh, I was going to say, I think the cheese is another case where actually, like, the, the question of, like, do you care whether this is secret matters, and that, like, okay, even if, like, that vegan uh, hears that you put cheese on it, it's not like you're hiding the fact that you're not a vegan. Like, it'd be one exactly. thing. Exactly, this is exactly the case. The Kesefishna would say is Rathilis, but Rathilis Shanklovsky, because of so reading of the Kesefishna, would say is not Rathilis. So you want to say, what you want to say is, Rathilis, is that all information, all information that about one person conveyed to another person, which is done without assurance that the second person will regard it at least neutrally is, is Rahilis. I think that's what the Casa Fishta would seem yeah. to say. And I think that 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 like if you don't have like some idea that is related to that, then you have left a massive, massive gap in Opus Rafilis. Uh, okay, that may not be a problem because you write who you know who's why should there be a why should so there be a whole in Hilos Rios? What? Why should everything be Esther? Why should everything be Esther? Um, I mean, if you just read the Kesselnishna's language simply and not try to go into the details of the case that he quotes, sounds like he's only referring to cases where it's talking sure, about. Sure, if you cut off a sentence in the middle and you don't include the okay, end, good. Because we have at least three. We have at least three possible like, boundaries for the term ridiculous. It's also included. In this. Like that's also a factor. That doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that it has to be about the person you're talking to. <laughs> He doesn't say that, and his example doesn't fit that. And he, when he repeats the idea, like afterwards, he doesn't say that. Right, so not, well, why is it? Because he's talking. You, you claim he's talking about David. Eh, I don't know. But he, I don't know why he said why he summarizes the Rambam this way. But he's paraphrasing. He's not even commenting on that halacha of the Rambam. Maybe he's just paraphrasing. I don't know. Okay, so we have we have the Rambam, which you can buy my interpretation of that. We have this, the the which you can buy Paramakhla's interpretation of that. We have Roshan Kolovsky's interpretation of both, <laughs> um, <laughs> and. Let's go. Let's let's go one line forward. Okay. <laughs> and now he says. <laughs> uh, right. So then he brings an example of the of the um, of the Sanhedrin, and he has this right, and he he pulls a Gemara thing. Why does it say and yeah. So he says, even though generally Megalasod is not Bichlav Rechilos, which Ramachu would probably object to, and thinks it is Bichlav Rechilos, Mikal Nakam Begeder Avak Rechilos. Avak Rechilos is cool. Um, anybody want to guess how many times the phrase of Akrochilos appears in the Barilan response to search before the Chavis Chaim? Three? Nope, too high. Since you're asking, let's hear zero. Zero. zero, zero is the correct yeah. number. Right there, there's So, yeah, I could have done it in complete search, but so far as I can tell, of Akrochilos, um, just a first level, first level Barilan search of Akrochilos yields no results prior to the Chavis Chaim. Uh, okay. 
buy it or not buy it. You know, you can do this. Sometimes I'm wrong on the searches and then I miss it. Um, yeah. Right, just quick search. You know? But um, you can look it up again and see right whether anybody. Right. How convinced you are that the category of Akrachilis existed yeah. before the Chavis Chaim? Which it does. The Chavis Chaim definitely has it. Chavis Chaim says, and I quote, um, And right, and I'll explain a few things. So Chavisayim endorsed this move, right? Chavisayim bans lots of things, and I'm only going to mention a few of them, and you should make the analogies. Um, keep going. Hey, we don't have time to parse the whole sentence, but it might appear in the video. It might appear in the video. Okay. It says, uh, Davazahu Hamo Harbe Yoter Mistam Avakla Shon Mistam Avakla Shon I don't know how you parse that. Do you parse it as Avakla Shon Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. And the whole distinction, fine. Okay. Maybe video would be a fine precedent. Um, it doesn't, I would say, I think it's fair to say it does not play a huge role in halacha. No. Uh, prior to this, but the Chavis Chaim explicitly endorses it, so that's you have a, a challenge of your whole uh, a, cha- a challenge a challenge you know to your whole structure of halacha. So you know what you do once the Chavis Chaim does this. Okay, so it's it's beginner of akrochilus, right? And therefore, we, now he says we understand why the Gemara brings holei krochil magelas sod because giloy sod is a akrochilus and there's an asmachta, right? Because it says holei krochil magelas sod. Okay, right, and that's right. So now we're now we're now we're now we're clear that that it's not that it's not rachilus it's not rachilus but it is a vak rachilus. Uh, now why it is is really interesting though. It says bear. Why should this be a vak rachilus? Maybe right. It's Pramachal objects to this. Not necessarily. Sometimes you say things that because you want the person to get it back. Because Achimel didn't care if Fish all knew, right? That was the Chazim Mishnah says explicitly. Yeah. That is his example. But again, that's such a bad example because Achimel didn't care because he didn't Maybe know. Either way, the Chazim Mishnah does say that I, explicitly in his example. I, I don't know what to do with the Chazim Mishnah. I really don't know what to do with the Chazim Mishnah. Uh, right. So therefore, it's a vak iser kol shemisapir dvarim lachayrim sheinat homrim miunyan sheagilos lehem shalosh shomim. Right. So now he's banned. Right. He's expanded from things you don't want to say. To saying anything that the other person wouldn't specific wouldn't specifically want you to say to the other person, right? Right. That's that's his that's his jump. So we go from there's rechilos doesn't include gilei sod, but avak rechilos includes gilei sod and gilei sod. What we mean by sod is anything not anything that you were told not to tell the other person, not anything which is obvious you shouldn't tell that the other person doesn't want to tell the other person, but anything in which it's not obvious that the other person wants you to tell it to the other person. Okay, we can claim these universal permissions. Like, obviously, I want my recipe for grated potatoes and grated cheese over potatoes to spread. I guess I don't know. Okay, I, I once it's not clear to me if Akrakilos is any better than than Let's put it that 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 will be my take. Um, no, I was wrong about Vinyana. Just to correct it, that was ah okay. Thank you. The Chayin Kasev B'Shut Hilchas Tanos Shuvah B'Lava Chinirish Yish Yisrael Levakish Shul Chapes Misar Shul Chavero Umali Lotelech Rochil Acherim Alatzmo. Now, to me. That does not sound like, oh, it's not Rachilus, it's a Vak Rachilus. That sounds to me like it's Rachilus. <laughs> Flat out, right? Wow. Mali, Mali, right? So, uh, th- this was. Do you think that, you know, like 
spent more than one sentence answering his trivia. <laughs> Maybe he would have. He would have been. So I, I, uh, I don't know why it follows. Any, anyway, right? The, I, I mean, the um, the whole point of the Alchusanos is you're not saying it to a third party at all, and the whole conversation on Shlomo up to this has only been about telling is about whether you tell it to, it's if you tell it to third parties, even though it's not about the, the the first party. So I have no idea how he gets. What the, I have no idea what the Lachlitanos is doing at well, this. If it's, if it's for you to learn the secret, then call the Thomer, it's for you to spread it, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I have to say, it's, so far we're not doing well. All right, then we get to Hezek, which is fun, right, where he, where, where, where he says about Hezek that, well, the you know, there's the Miri, but um, he doesn't quote the he doesn't quote the um, their aim really right does he at the end or okay. at the end he goes at the end as opposed to setting up the way most people do right their aim says there's no such thing but the miri right he says the miri um, and um, but the problem is nobody agrees with the miri mm-hmm. um, and therefore Diane Sarachian so it's really interesting it's a really interesting way of setting it up he, th- he clearly thinks the miri makes an enormous amount of sense yeah um, all right he's a right. Um, but he, but he has a he has a formal a formal problem in halacha. He doesn't know he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know whether he can possibly like the miri. Uh, I don't have such a problem because I don't think it's, I don't think it's the right frame of reference. Uh, right? I don't think we should be thinking about whether Hezek Shmiya love Hezek Shmiya is the right. I don't think it's the right frame of reference at all. But okay. Um, the, then he talks about Davis Das. We all know the problem of Davis Das. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he talks right. Then he talks about the Cherem Gershom. We all know the problems about the Cherem Ben Gershom. And uh, so the Maskana it deals with deals with differences in Jews and non-Jews, which I'm not so enthusiastic about. Um, anyway, so this part of the article I don't think um, gets us so far, except to show us really that it's really hard to develop an answer against eavesdropping that is something more than I think eavesdropping is wrong. Um, did we do the did we do the philosophic article? About, yeah, we did. We did. It was, the, it was one of the um, the early pieces we read about um, we read it in, in we read it in Benny Brown, right? About the oh, yeah. people, right? People people think that just making a rule makes right, is a better explanation of why it's wrong than saying right than saying it's wrong. If you make it a rule, right? They think it solved the problem. Mm. Why it's wrong? So here we have an effort to try right to try and appeal to those people by having a rule, right? When really we're just yeah. saying we're just saying it's wrong. I think okay. I mean, there are practical consequences for being a rule. Like what? Like theoretically, at least, if you, you know, force someone to take action against them. Uh, well, a, I mean, I've always enjoyed the theoretical practical. That there are practical consequences because theoretically, right? That's that's essentially. <laughs> I think that it's an iser in today's day and age doesn't have more pro- like the nezek one, as he says, has potential consequences. But saying it's like an iser as opposed to it's a bad thing doesn't have. Different- yeah, you know, if we say if if anybody ever said that it was actionable nezek, that's fine. But no one, you know, but I don't, I don't think that's the right conversation. The right conversation is, right, is who do we place the burdens on in the context, in the, in the context of um, creating, right, of, of, of um, new situations. So I don't know, you know, so we could do that on the basis, right, when we're setting up new Hilchoshchenim, right, so we have, right, so somebody comes with a new Shiloh, right, when we, um, when we set up, when we, when we, we had, we had an apartment, and right, we shared. We had a, we had a shared. We had a joint apartment, and now we're building a wall, and we're separating into two smaller into two smaller units. Do we have to make sure that the intercom 
that you can't want that one apartment can't listen to the other part of Barbara's intercom. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's a new Shaila. And we could answer it by saying, well, we think it's wrong. We think it, right? we don't think it's so wrong. People, right? It wouldn't, it's it's not it's not dependent on Hezek Shmia. I don't think. I don't think I have to get there. But I think it, if I think that there's a reasonable expectation of privacy on intercoms, which I don't think there is. But if I thought that, right, if I thought that people, right, so that I would say, yeah, when you separate, you have to, right, when you set, if you're the one who's separating the apartment, right, then, right, if you agree to separate the apartment, then you have to, um, then each of you has to contribute to the installation of separate intercom systems. Now, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that would be a din and hezek shmia per se. Sorry, what's the difference? So, because I think we, we just decide in every society what the reasonable right what we think are is a good society, and right and we just and we'll just set up the norms for partnerships that way. Right, but isn't that what Hesek uh, Shmia is essentially? Right, but that's what it is essentially. But I don't think the question of whether there was a historical track mm -hmm. of Hesek right, is going to affect me very much on that. Mm -hmm. Like I say, there wasn't historically, but there is now about this. Yeah. Because just because right. because this is more like Re'iyah in the time of the Gemara than it is like Shmia. That's all I have to do, right? right? I just mm -hmm. say it's more like right. I, I'm not mechanical about about sound, mm -hmm. so I think that the whole conversation being about sound as opposed to sight is not the right conversation. Mm -hmm. It's about whether there's okay. a whether it's a social good for us to expect privacy, which is what Rudchovsky said. Right? So I, I think on this one, I just with Rudchovsky, I don't understand the. Okay, but whereas I think he's, he start right where it's interesting to me because well I don't I think Roshan Skolovsky's detailed arguments on the front end are the front half of this article. I, but it's interesting where he takes the other side where, where everyone knows it, where everyone knows it's, that we're that we're we have a choice, but I don't think that his specific arguments are very powerful. When it comes to Benezug, I think he says something uh, that's really very valuable, um, where he says right the, the language he has at the bottom of at the bottom of the page right. Um, Right, you don't have to. Right, there's no obligation to take off your clothes in front of your spouse. That's a right. That is just like you know, full-scale ideological opposition to Rav Dukhovsky. and on this one, my sympathy is with him. Right. I don't know how we settle the argument. Right. Nobody has, right, it's interesting to me that neither of them cites any Makorot to tell us what marriage is supposed to be like. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how you would settle it, right? Maybe there aren't problems. Maybe, it's, so that's also socially determined, right? Well, the expectations of marriage are determined by the, by the social by the social environments, but we, we think we at least have an ideal. Um, this is a really big deal now, right? right? Do, we, do we think that we're doing something radically new when we, as we try, I think when we do hadrachat to to chatzim and kalot now, is to say that right, so now like the standard thing is you have to know who you are first in order to be a couple, and if you don't have it right, that's not obvious in the past, right? You might have said that. Get married, like let's get you married. Let's get you married early, <laughs> and and never develop a sense of individuality, and right, and just have a have a collective sense, and it might be that you know that 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 we can say that works well, and this works well. Um, at 20, and it would work really badly to tell people at 15 that you have to have independent cells, and it would really, and it would, you know, and it might be that there's some stage in the middle where nothing works, um, right? Could be that in that society, it wouldn't work too. Uh... Yeah, could be, but that's like that's a really big, that's a really big argument, right? You know, is do we believe? 
I think that for somebody to claim that there must be zones of privacy even in marriage means that somebody has a commitment to privacy as a value. Right? That's like the ideal. Mm-hmm. Everyone has privacy. Privacy is, is, a, is part of the human condition and ought to be. And Rav Dukhovsky is not clear to me has that. Mm-hmm. Right? I really might see privacy as a, unfortunately, all, right, there, you know, there, are barrier, there are barriers to human beings and we can't overcome them. Mm-hmm. But we can in one relationship. So, yippee. Um, right? So I think that's a, I think that's, you know, that's, and I think that that may explain um, that may explain people's psyche in a lot of areas, uh, right? Whether fundamentally you think that privacy is a good or not. And so they have to figure out, but you know, and yet, you know, until Rabbi Lamb, nobody really cites Makarot about that. Hmm. Like, like the metallic question? Right, the question, right, do we think, right, do we think ultimately privacy is something good? When, when Jacob and I were... Pardon? There are lots of people about values. Yeah. yeah, and Jacob and I were learning it, yeah. like his first section about like the Torah values of privacy. We're like, well, we haven't seen any of these sources yeah. in any of the other places. <laughs> we have to look at Kamocha. It sounds like a value to me. He, he quotes the story no. of Adam and Chava. <laughs> he quotes Adam and Chava, right? That's right. That what is Bereshit there for if not to teach you values? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I, Don't trust snakes. Pardon? Uh, okay, well, that would be different. <laughs> That'd be a very different view. <laughs> uh, yes, you Well, two things. First of all, I don't think that this question is resolved in modern secular society either, whether there should be privacy in marriage. The classic version of this question that modern secular society asks is, should spouses know the password to each other's smartphones? And it's not obvious. There are many people who come out on either side. Um, another... Yeah. Uh, another like every every other week like somebody asks an advice columnist like can i hack into my boyfriend's smartphone to see if he's cheating on me and they they always give different answers uh, <laughs> that's interesting i don't know like the slight ones <laughs> okay yes you gotta go on uh the other question is are we going to look at the other possible conditionally like the list so it's i don't know yet i i want to i want to go through i think the the sanhedrin example more carefully Right. Uh, I think, and right, that, that that is one of the things. But I don't know if the Rishonim on the Pesach are going to help us any. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so, right, so I think that's a that's a big issue. I think very special, like what you know, in the context of halachic conversation. I hope we can have, you know we can quote psukim about values generally, right? I, I hope that Jewish conversation doesn't involve just oh. quoting halachas at each in other. A, in a halachic conversation, I'm not sure where the, where the place of values is. Uh, after hearing my conversation that you referenced. Um, I think that when I am making rules for myself, as he says later, um, yeah, those values um, and how I see them are relevant. But in terms of in terms of Puskin, I'm not sure. It might be that you know one rabbi does hold this, another rabbi holds somewhere else, and it might be that you know in different. Um, as we settle all over the world throughout history, you know, one place is going to be more in the communal end of the spectrum, one is going to be more individualistic. And, you know, that's going to, to flavor your thought. But um, I'm not sure that that should flavor today's psaac for me right here. And do you think it's bad that it flavors psaac? I think it's inevitable. Okay, but is it, is it good or bad? Like, if, if, if you could, if you could, it's to me. If you could take take a post like out of space and time and have him just analyze the sources, would that be better or worse? Maybe not. Um, 
I, I think it's just irrelevant to me because I'm not living in that space and time. I think it was what was right for then, not necessarily right for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are the women learning. <laughs> <laughs> that halacha should be flavored by those ideas. Well, it's even ever interesting than women not learning. <laughs> They're doing their best, I assume. Um, <laughs> the, the answer to Tanya's question? So, well, so you're saying that the general idea of like feminism and women being able to learn, that's a good idea that should influence yourself. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't think so. I think, again, relevant to me, yeah. Relevant to my sister and the rest of my family who are like, we're with the right wing and, and you know, do not do that at all. Okay, that's fine. I mean. But I'm trying to realize that we're, I mean, the fact that Psaac allows it, I mean, like that, that would be influenced by the ideals or maybe it wouldn't be. I mean, the question of whether Psaac should allow women to learn is a question that could be influenced by those broader ideals. So to, to think outside of me, right? My sister would argue, yeah, but that's not good, right? She would say that this is a new thing that's flavored by today and today's values here in America specifically, which is very individualistic and very equal and all that. I'm egalitarian. And so, yeah, that's great. Go for it. But uh, my sister would say. Right. That's fine. We understand that your sister would say that, but. And you know, and and we might counter it by saying, no, your sister is actually influenced by a reaction, you know, against against this thing. But I don't, I don't. But the question is, you, right? You said like, what, what? If I were arguing with your sister's basic, right? So don't I at some point have to say something like, but women are human beings, and therefore they have a right to develop into their souls? Don't I? I mean, although the the argument is supposed to take place entirely on the level. That's that's what we're trying to write, you know. Not, I would I would be lying if I pretend if I did if I pretended. I'm taking my sister's position right now. Yes, that's what we're pointing out. Okay, yeah. good. Now we all know where we are. I'm uh, still not sure. Okay. Because in my position, her position is okay. My position is okay, but on her position, my position is not okay. That's right. Because okay. it's not fair by right. the times. Although I would argue that it's not. Like, okay. Think about anymore. it. Think about it. Okay. okay. Uh, right. So that that. <laughs> Because it turns out, right, that this is exactly the argument in Griswold. This is exactly the argument between Black and Douglas and Griswold in, in many ways. About what that is, right? That data that is a a reasonable. Uh, right, you could say that both their 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 marriage were both parties are Mohill. Um, the problem is, I'm going to go off the record again. Um, Okay, marriage, you know, um, like 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 all marriages, people probably expect this, but maybe people. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's. I, I think it would be, I think it's interesting that Sean Kolovsky makes it that absolute as well. Sean Kolovsky could have said, while you know, while I admire of the Kolovsky's marriage, uh, I don't think that is true for everybody's, uh, right? Obviously, nobody asked Mrs. Dukowski, uh, <laughs> right? And it could be that this is one of the opinions mm -hmm. that Rabbi Dukowski would rather not have be shared. Uh, with, his wife, with, his, <laughs> with his wife, right? You never know if that's uh, if that's the case. Um, yeah, I, I would I would agree that probably this is one of the things whose parameters are negotiated in every marriage, and it's really challenging because the advice columns questions always come up with 
since marriage has to be on the basis of trust, and I no longer trust this person. What do I do? What do I do now? Right. That's really what a lot of those questions are. And sometimes the trust is not warranted. So it's a trust is trust is not is not, I guess I would say that in my advice columnist mode, trust is rarely restored by investigation. Right. So how is trust but restored? the revelation of truth is well, the first step towards having the conversation that will restore. Yeah, but that's not no. <laughs> I don't think so. You could ask the person, can I see yeah. it right? Can I see it right? But it, but you're going in without asking them now yeah. means that they can't trust you. Well, well let's say that, that, that we did have a trusting marriage in this exact case. And like the reason that he was um, like spying on her was just because they always spy on each other for some uh, reason. And he happened to see that this time she was cheating on him, right? And this we it's exactly the same question forms. about disability in court. We just still have the same question. Which question would we still have? We would still have the question of like whether the whether whether there's an issue because he was listening to her, because like um like this like because maybe we maybe we say even though they have a trusting marriage like we have this we have an issue and you know spouses should have privacy um right we would still have the same question of like whether 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 it was much or listen to her to begin with even if she consented to it probably well i see that's why i think like the the notion of i guess that we get into the the question which i talked about in terms of kibbutz and other things that people are often say they're mochal things that they aren't really Right? Because mm. they think that it would be wrong in the context of the relationship to say you objected to it, but they still really would much rather you didn't. Right. Like somebody saying, like, we have no secrets in our relationship is usually not a person saying, I don't think I have any right to privacy. Like, I don't have a right to keep a secret if I no, want. It's usually a person saying, I don't think he has a right to privacy. Or she. <laughs> right. Usually we have no secrets in a relationship is, I, I think, almost always an offensive, uh, an offensive yeah. move. And not uh, only that, if I think almost everyone who says that, even if they really believe they have no secrets, and even if they live alone, they object greatly to a secret camera in the bathroom. Even if they claim they have no secrets and there's no privacy in this relationship, and I don't care, and no one else ever uses that bathroom, I think it would still be considered an enormous violation of trust in almost any of these relationships. I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. That um, that there is still is a level of you know there's still is a level of privacy you expect. Oh, that's all you know. It's always an interesting thing about. I think one of the things that we need to talk about in the context of privacy is privacy of information yeah. and privacy of being. Um, right? It might, be, it might be that I you can know everything I do, but I still don't want you to I still don't want you to see it. Right? That's a um right, this is like the idea versus yeah that someone brought up. Yeah, right, like, right. So that I think that you know the bathroom example is one of that. We can think of like intermediate cases, right? Like you know, you can know that um right that i write that i write bad syllabic poetry uh before i go to bed at night but, you, but it doesn't mean you get to see it <laughs> uh right if there could be such a thing as bad syllabic poetry how would anyone know uh, it's a really weird way to write poetry <laughs> but again you know i i, I guess haiku right haiku is syllabic poetry right? so i write so you can know that i write haikus but you can't write but you can't see my haikus mm -hmm. is that a because i have privacy um i don't know Maybe you can see them when I'm not there. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting. Uh, okay. So where Shanskolovsky brings us, I think, is in the end, I think that his, um, he also attacks Rabduchovsky, as you saw, for Rabduchovsky's Goref claim that, you know, any, that any, toilet is, any, any, any toilet is enough and you don't read it and it's not great. And I think that's right also. Uh, I think that's right also. At the end of the day, I guess my take would be, you know, is that we have very little law right now. We have very little law. Uh, which is which can be a little bit distressing, if you want there to be law. Like in American, 
No, halacha. There's very little halacha, right? There's very little. And yet, but you know, people keep asking Shilas. And we keep, right? As, right and people, because people want to get a psak about this, both for themselves and for others. They want to be able to tell people, you just did is awesome. And they want to know whether what they're doing is okay. And they don't want people to say things like, well, think about whether whether somebody else would like if you did that to you. And perhaps it's just a wrong inclination that people have. <laughs> maybe. Uh, or maybe that's a, maybe it's a really good instinct. And so when people want halacha, we have an ob- right, it's our obligation to provide it for them, even though we understand that it doesn't mean that we are mechanically extending the race of precedent, that what we're trying to do is figure out how we reify values into law for our, right, for our society. That's, I think, we could take, you know, we could bias ourselves towards the perspectives that treated as law. We could argue that this whole desire is a function of the Chavis Chaim. Before the Chavis Chaim, nobody would have thought this. But mm-hmm. now everyone thinks that, right? But but now, right now, everyone assumes like the, the right question is, is this a Bakr mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? So that, right? That's a big thing, right? If you know, the, the Chavis Chaim created a category, right? If I'm right, called a Bakr And now we can ask that question, and everyone's happy we can ask that question. Um, okay. So I think that is a. Um, I think that's a good place. I want to, I think, just for uh, just so we, we feel like we're not we're not ending, absolutely. Uh, let's take a look. Let's just open Griswold briefly, um, and just see something about the la- the language that um, is. Let's. Um, so I think the very Griswold is pretty long. Yeah, yeah. I want to turn to page. I think it's um, four eighty four of the um 42 42 of the um on the the, the numbers on top of the page page, four, um, page four of the PDF. 42 is page four of the pdf i believe yes um okay so here's right so um wait what do you actually for um yeah so uh am i gonna get the context in that mm, okay you know i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a brief background I don't know if we're going to have it, if, if reading it is the is the um, is the right thing. So let, let's let's say two things about the background, and then you'll read it, you'll read it yourselves. Two things. The background is one is that Griswold is about marital privacy. It's not about the right to contraception generally. You will find rhetoric in this trivial, like the sacred marital bond and stuff like that. And it's always very interesting when when Supreme Court justices resort to concepts of conditional. Uh, like where you know, what does that what does that mean, right? You know that there's some notion of the sacred, and one of the things they developed interesting is a notion of marital privacy, which is not marital privacy between the couple, marital privacy for the couple against the rest of the world. Huh. Uh, right. So that's interesting. We, we haven't really talked about that in halacha, right? As the privacy of a marriage, as opposed to privacy within a marriage. So it's worth, right? So what is the marriage as an individual? Then it's the same thing. Right? If you think that right, if you think that you're individual, so you, right, that's if you, everyone is combined. But it's a really interesting notion in the United States. I mean, we and, do have that. We do have one halacha like that. We do have the halacha that you're not allowed to be in the uh, room with the husband and wife if, if they're the only one in the room because you'll prevent them from having private conversation. And you could say it's just sexual, but I'm not sure it is. Okay. You could argue that's privacy to marriage. Right, it could be that's what Matovo halacha is. We just haven't seen it quoted so far in this context. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a really interesting question about whether. Um, whether those two, whether a position of absolute privacy is entirely compatible with the notion of absolute marital privacy, or whether it's because we view them as one couple, that's why they, as one group, that's why they get special rights of privacy. 
um, I think that that's worth thinking about to what extent autonomy and marital and marital autonomy are um, right, are really compatible. Uh, the second thing is we have to introduce you to what is uh, generally called original sin in the context of constitutional law. Um, <laughs> Just can you explain the privacy piece? Like, in what way would the would it be private? It would be what, what, what would what be private? Like any what information would be? It's not information, right? It's really right. That's what the the big cloud is. It's not the the, the decision is private, and right the, the decision whether to use contraception in marriage is a decision that you have the right to make as a couple. And no one has, and no one has the right to, to interfere with that decision. Because it would be a violation of privacy, interfere with. It. You also have to ask whether that's the same concept of privacy that we have to write. Whether anybody in halacha has talked about privacy, in right in those terms, which you know, we'll say for the word again is about autonomy, right? So does autonomy relate to privacy <laughs> uh, in that way or not? Right? That's a fair question. So Griswold. Right. <laughs> right. So Griswold is not really about right, not really about whether the government has a right to know whether we're using contraception. Right. It's really a question of whether the government has a right to dis, right to influence my in what way does the government have the right to influence the question of whether marital couples engage in contraception? With the reductio ad absurdum in their thought being, does the government have the right to regulate marital sex? Right. If the United States government passed a law. Well, right. just, you can't have within marriage rape anymore, which I, I think that all of this is sourced in the patron authority, um, the male authority over his house, over his wife, over his children. Can I, it is how you raise your children if you choose corporal punishment. You know, that's also under those sacred bonds. Sure, in the same church, we'll talk about the sacred, sacred right to raise children. Your children. All mm -hmm. these things are under that sacred bond, but it's not really under so it could be so you could be you could be unconvinced by this you could say this is obsolete and then you have to figure out right so is that really a good world where right what happens it seems is that if you that the alternative to having these sorts of rights sourced in patriarchy right, is to get it right is to leave is to leave everyone with no defense against the government same as every other action that you take. It's, uh... what, so that's a real challenge, right? They, they can say, look, the government, we're no longer going to say that the government can't regulate contraception because married couples have, right, have, a, right, have, a, right, of, have a, a right of corporate personality against, right, against, against the government because we don't do them as, together the same. So then what stops the government from having a rule that married couples can only be intimate twice a month? Same way that this stops the government from doing any kind of rule. Which is what? Well, what about chi in China, by the way? Like, yeah, China. you can only have what, like one kid or two kids? For a while, you can only have one child, right? Yeah, so, so, what stops the United States government from, right? Is there any, right? This is really going to be the question. Is there anything in the United States Constitution that prevents the government from regulating the number of children? I'm just saying that it doesn't come under the sacred bonds of patrimony. It's the government's ability to, um, to regulate any individual. That's something that could be married. The government yeah. is telling you that you can't have sex more than twice a month, and you have to use this type of contraception. Okay. I mean, the government isn't saying that. The government is saying you can have sex as often as you want, but you can only have sex with your wife twice a month. <laughs> right? Whatever it is, or your husband, or your... to what extent the government can control an individual, and um, to what extent they can legalize any action. Okay, so we may discover hundreds of years of legal precedents. Okay, still have to read it. We'll see that you know. 
the hundred the argument is going to be that the hundreds of years of um of legislation in fact all assumed that a marriage was a corporate personality and that married couples have rights of have rights of privacy that don't accrue to other people and the government is entitled to know things or to, or, or, or to let mandate things about extramarital relationships for that matter at that point everyone assumed the government was entitled to make adultery legal um right um which is as opposed to just seeing it as a breach of contract, which is not nearly, right, which is not an illegality, which is you know which is solved by the by, among the parties, right? For there to be a government interest in preventing adultery is a radical move. Um, is it illegal now in America? In some states, but no one's tried to enforce it, and if they tried to enforce it, it would probably declare unconstitutional, uh, right? There's still states which have rules against sodomy on the books, mm -hmm. right? There are probably still still states that have rules against fornication. Um, but I don't think anyone would try. I think everyone understands if you tried to enforce them, they would write, you have different rules. We do enforce, like you know, like like statutory rape. Mm -hmm. um, right? Where yeah. we, 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 it's hard to prove. Also hard to prove, yeah. But we do try to enforce those sometimes. Okay, so the the, the original sin of of American constitutional law, as uh, Justice Bork likes to frame it, is called substantive due process. There is an amendment in the United States that says no person shall be deprived of life or liberty without due process of law. Uh, Professor Livni liked to use this as an example to show that obviously this means that a person can be deprived of life with due process of law, and therefore the claim that Judaism is that the, that the that the death penalty is unconstitutional is obviously absurd. Uh, right? <laughs> obviously, at the time somebody wrote that you can't, that whoever wrote you can't be deprived of life without due process of law, held that you can be deprived deprived of life with due process of law. But substantive due process makes the claim that there are things for which there can be no due process and that right and if you if there right and if there there is an outcome which no matter what happens you say to yourself no that was not there was not an adequate process to reach this result so then that is banned by a due process called substance right it's, it's not really a procedural thing it's give an example well, so you know, we could we could give the example. You know, I think for our salvation, it would be the death penalty. But there, right? But in the United, in, in America, it begins with freedom with uh, freedom of contract. Mm -hmm. right? Whether whether the government can make regulations banning people from selling their from uh, from from agreeing to work for wages below minimum wage. Mm -hmm. So maybe right. Answer was like, what can you do that would deprive people? What what would be a fair way of telling people they cannot they they cannot choose how much their labor is worth? Right, so that's the part of the challenge is right that this was that's so substantive due process in one context was used, but Dred Scott is a is a right, is, is a, uh, is a, is a, fa is a famous case, which was which was built which was built around that. I'm trying to understand the concept. So I think it's easier for me to explain it in halacha. I'm less biased that way. Ravana Soloveitchik held that, uh, that right that essentially, as I understand it, that the death penalty in America was illegal under halacha because mimanashah because it wasn't effective. If right, you can't either you did it often enough to be deterrent, in which case you would be killing too many innocent people and you were killing people without due process, because due process means absolute certainty. And if you engage in absolute certainty, then it wouldn't be effective at all, then it would be cruel and unusual. So Ravarn Hill's death penalty in America was impossible because you could not find that balance where the death penalty was both an effective deterrent, and yet you would feel that the person had received the kind of Process of law you need to deprive them of life. Just like a legal catch twenty-two. Yes, other people would argue that simply no. That there's no process at the end of which you can have certainty, and therefore, 
the, 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 the shot of you cannot be deprived of life without due process of law is you can't be deprived of life. Okay, but, but substantive due process is, right, is a way of claiming that you can't do things, that the only reason you can't do it is because, is because there's a law and you can't use the law to do that. There's nothing specific in the law that says you can't do that. Right? The law doesn't say, right? The law doesn't say that you can't, that, you, that, that there's no ban on executions. The law doesn't say that there's a ban on minimum wage laws. And nothing in the Constitution says anything about that. What it says is you can't be deprived of things without due process of law. And I look at the process is that, impossible. In these right, because it's not due, right? Due is a vague term. Right. So right, so due process, the way uh, right. The way uh, Justice Bork framed it, which I think is a, you know, his original image, I think is a fine framing in terms of Bracious. Uh, right? so if you have the reading of Bracious, that what the snake does is it gets you, is it, is it allows you to think about Tovara independently of divine command. So substantive due process allows you to think about constitutionality independent of the text of the Constitution. It, it, right? it allows you to, sub, to substitute your own your own judgment. If something couldn't be done under the depressive law, it's unconstitutional. That's right. right? But, it, but it lets judges say whatever judges, whatever judges feel, right, there's nothing that law could 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 justify becomes due process, even though there's nothing in the right. So right, so it's it's a it's a vehicle, right? This is what, what Justice Burke argued, and we'll see that right that Justice Black argues next day. It's a vehicle for making anything you want unconstitutional. Um, and the counter argument is, but do you really believe? that the constitution covers everything and that unless there's a specific clause in the constitution saying you can't do this the government can do everything right those right those are the those are the counter arguments right what, what would we end up if we said there's no law about this some people say what's the problem make takanos so it's it's basically a vaca of vaca liberty yeah a vaca liberty a vaca liberty, liberty is an excellent term <laughs> uh, right, but the term the term Justice Douglas uses penumbra. Oh, okay. Uh, right, that all the all, every right in the Bill of Rights has a penumbra. Mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you know what a penumbra is? Shadow. No. Be careful, right? An umbra is a shadow. Mm -hmm. A penumbra is right is the area around a shadow. Mm -hmm. So the shadow is not so controversial. Right. right, the claim that there's a penumbra. Right, it's not. Right, it's not just the immediate, the immediate shadow, but it's the shadow of a shadow. Right, so usually, right, the pen penumbras are what demons don't have. Oh. Right, in the Gemara, right, they're not the bivoa de bivoa, which is the shadow of a shadow. Oh. But they have a shadow, right? So, but demons, demons have umbras, but not penumbras. Human beings have umbras and penumbras. Um, I also like this because of what Rebbelstein gave a shear many years ago, and uh, which was all in Hebrew. And at one point, to explain what he was trying to say about something in halacha, he said like. Penumbra, as Douglas said. And afterwards, like everyone asked me on the bus, like, what's a penumbra? <laughs> I was trying to help people by translating. Mm. <laughs> and that, was, that was the word everyone came out asking. But I don't, I don't remember what it, what it was in Halakha, unfortunately, that he was talking about. But he was explicitly, he was explicitly um, referencing this uh, referencing this concept and making the claim that in Halakha, Halakha also has concepts of laws with penumbras. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so that's what Griswold Chris, is going to introduce that. He's going to introduce it in the specific context of privacy. Uh, it's going to use marital privacy as an example of, of privacy. So let's take a look at, and, and you're going to watch. Uh, it's going to quote Brandeis, and you'll see that Brandeis put his article into a judicial opinion, almost word for word. 
uh, like when he made the Supreme Court, right, the, mm. the idea, right? And that becomes, right, now it's now, now, and when he does that, it moves from common law to constitutional law. But it moves into constitutional law without any, right? But it's, but, which functions like common law in the sense that it has no explicit precedent. Hmm. So we're, the analogy we're trying to make is like the laws with penumbra are like the halakhic values that don't necessarily have a source that we can apply it here in a legal sense. Mm -hmm. okay. And if you want to, you want if you want a um, here's like an example of how a value can become law in a very particular way. Right in in right in, in constitutional law. Right. So I think a really good example of constitutional law is what we call the, um, the Miranda warnings. Right. The Constitution, let's suppose the Constitution, in fact, provides a guarantee against testifying in, right, in self-incrimination. There's a book you can read in our upstairs bathroom about uh, by Professor Dershowitz arguing that at the time of the Constitution's adoption, you were, um, defendants were not allowed to testify. Hmm. And therefore, the right, the right against self-incrimination cannot have anything to do with, with testifying against yourself. Wow. Um, okay, very interesting argument. And he, you know, and he tries to trace how it, right, how how it got to me what it means what it what it means that what it means nowadays but let's assume that it, it mean, that means that you cannot be forced to give evidence against yourself so nothing about the constitution says that that means that policemen have to tell you anything you say may be used against you in a court of law but we a made a rule or the warren court made a rule a you have to tell the person and B, unless you tell the person there's a presumption, right? It's the if, if you, that if you don't tell the person, we don't then go to a question, well, maybe he knew about it, maybe he didn't anyway. After all, he was arrested five times previous on the same day and the other people all read it. So why would you think this time is different? We don't say that. No, we say that there's an irrebuttable presumption if the person was not read their rights, that they did not know them. And then we say, right, which is which, which, now which has been limited with the exclusionary rule. And in order to prevent people violating this law, we don't allow the evidence to be used in court. Right, now those are all right. There's a halachic, there's a, there's a constitutional principle that people cannot be compelled to self-incriminate. But we have created all these things called them zero, right? Called them concretizations of values that have right that have made that are now constitutional law, even though the Supreme Court is not allowed to legislate. I mean, I wouldn't say that's the same thing as like applying a halachic value. It seems like it's making it like a siag around. Okay, so you might think this is more like more like siag, but your judicial siag, right? Nobody made right. Nobody, nobody, nobody made a. No one, no one in, the, in Congress passed the law, right? Right. So, the, right, so those are those are ways in which, um, in which you can you can watch in the history of constitutional law. You can watch how judges can create law out of much broader out of much broader um, notions. Okay. So we'll 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 read Griswold next time, and we'll um, we'll read Rabbi Lamb's attempt. If you read Griswold first, it'll, it'll bias you a certain way about Rabbi Lamb. You can read Rabbi Lamb first, and you'll see Griswold, and you'll see it in light of Griswold. But that's what I want to do next time: is to read the two of those uh, in connection with each other. And we'll also, I'll, I hope I will have by tomorrow a good sheet of some of some of Rabbi Lamb's makarot, so we can evaluate his his um, his readings separately. And then after that, there were, so the I said there are three other articles we have to read this week. I just have to figure out how to get them access to, to three or two articles which critique people like Rabbi Lamb for, or one, one which critiques someone like Rabbi Lamb, one which critiques um, for uh, one for inventing privacy, one which critiques Warren and Brandeis for inventing privacy, and one which acknowledges all that and says, but that's fine because what we're supposed to do is do what Justice Douglas did in this one. Okay. You're giving our, I got a share.
I got to share at seven tonight. Yes. Um, the Eben and the Ouroboros. Oh. Mm -hmm. Cool. <laughs>